Welcome back, Briars. This is your host, Briar. Briar Rose with Briarston. Um, it's windy out here. So, um, yeah. Anyway, it's hot. So, I got another story for us today. Um, this is probably going to be, um, a multiple parter, like the, um, Rain Cries For Me and the, um, the Orders Last Folly. Well, the, the night story. <laughs> anyway, um, this one's a dystopian about a, um, a, um, boy named Gerard and him looking for his friend Pixis. Uh, where, the, where did I put that story? Okay. Hopefully y'all can hear me well. Um, again, it whimdy. So yeah, um, this story is called Perplexus. And this is chapter one. Once it loads in, it stops failing me. Gerard was beyond concerned. Pixis has been had been out for days, maybe weeks. The anxiety-riddled teen couldn't make it for long on their own, so I was their voice for supplies so protracted. Gerard had made his mind up. If Pixis wasn't back at their fort in the next hour, he'd have to go looking. He couldn't have another loss, not when the world was like this. A creak came from the story above and relaxed the debris above their hideout enough to cause concern. The summer solstice must have just occurred, and along with it the western hemisphere of the planet just became 20 degrees hotter. The heat rush this time around was especially scalding, and Gerard could feel his skin drying. His fear for Pixis only capsized at this event, and he began to bolt out of the cramped hovel to find his friend. Gerard had little to no experience in the outside, only this facility overrun by dried vines and bugs, rancid with the stench of squalor and plague. The slate walls, thick with grime and sludge from the temperamental rushes and attacks, gave rise to a dangerous blend, asbestos and ash. Gerard only had his emergency mask, which did little to keep out the fumes in nearly tangible air. The atmosphere hung thick with smog, and even heavier with angst. Sometimes, sometimes he hated Pixis' strength, as it worked in their favor when convincing him to stay away from all this. Their little divot in the back corridor of this abandoned lab was all they could claim, and every few days Pixis had to make trips to the outside for scraps. Gerard made his way through the hall, tracing his almond-colored hand over the atrophied red stripe of the main floor. The dingy hole they stayed in was located on the green wing of the second floor, but was the only accessible portion of the pathway. The rest was covered by vines and limestone that had fallen through, and the sunlight didn't reach far back. The usual three skulls near the access chamber greeted Gerard, their ashen figures sculpted by the broken keypad. The crowbar that allowed entry to the atrium was missing, which means Pixis did, ma- did make it through here. After a couple of scouting missions early on, it was agreed upon that, that nothing else could be alive down here, except for the bugs, of course. Nothing normal, that is. A deep bellow came from the atrium. Not human, but definitely determined. The howl was hollow, and had Gerard question what kind of thing could breathe well enough down here to yell like that. He met his answer as the door began to cave in, the keypad and bones falling to the wayside. The atrium was topped by a large egg-shaped dome, pale colors dancing along the windows from a bygone age. The creature was now illuminated by the light. Dark vino fur was matted by Merlot, probably blood, with an underbelly of bones. 
The legs were slim, by the but the hind seemed to be disjointed with dis dense muscle. The face was the most terrifying, hollow and beastly, a two-faced skeletal flesh ID that gave ID that gave name to the creature's animosity. Gerard was not only afraid, he was disillusioned. Pixis laid out at the monster's feet. Pepper curls lay limp to the bridge of their nose. The strongest person he knew was just there, gone. His ears began to ring. A dull play. Eh, a dull. Uh, what the hell was I trying to write here? <laughs> oh, his ears began to ring. A dull hum placed itself about his mind. He couldn't breathe, let alone stand. He fell to the ground, and as he did, the beast ran to him. Gerard awoke in a cold sweat. A tabula rasa sat upon his conscience. He didn't know where or when he was, only that his current location was dark and damp. Was this hell, he wondered? His slim digits began to scout for him, placing themselves upon an assemblage of damp materials, coils, wires, and the occasional note played upon his fingertips. His hand finally approached a solid cylinder of metal with a smooth rubber handle. Was this a flashlight? He hadn't seen a working one in years and was noticeably ex excited despite his wounds. Um, I overstepped a little bit because I started reading the, the beginning of chapter two. But anyway, um, as you can see, this story is essentially about these two, two teens who have been living in this little hovel in, um, in the background of an abandoned research facility. Well, a facility... <laughs> For spoilers' sake, um, and basically they've been they've been having to go out for scraps before um, before what's called a heat rush happened. Heat rushes in their universe are essentially um, whenever well, whenever a summer solstice or a um, or a spring equinox happens, and basically it brings it brings a new um, it brings a new rush of um, of I was about to say of temperature of heat to to that hemisphere it sort of it sort of works like a um a more fragmented version of what our of what our weather system works like so there there's the um, winter solstice too which basically takes all like pushes all of the heat to the next hemisphere and leaves the and leaves this portion very like a bitter cold um what's something else that needs good explaining um Gerard is about 17. He's a very, he's a sl slim figured person. Pixis is, um, is 19 and the older of the two. They're the person who, who is, um, strong, who's stronger. So they go out and get all the stuff for them so that they don't bo both like get crushed in heat waves or in the heat rushes. But, um, this was fun to read. Hopefully, Oh god, this is still so short. Okay, let's look for more stuff to read. <laughs> I did not realize that was gonna be so, such a fast read. Um In the meantime, how y'all doing? What y'all doing? Y'all doing good. Yeah. Uh hmm. I don't want to read my that essay because I don't want to read like essays to y'all because that's boring. Uh, 
I can read this. It was um, it's a little short prose I had written about um, about how I believe hell may be um depicted in in certain um biblical works. I'm I'm um a very very extremely secular person, so um, bear with me as as um my understanding of hell is probably different from that of a believer. Um. Anyway, this is hell. The fire's exuberance was lost on him as he made his way down the vast carcass of a sea mammal. He found himself asking, what is this place? For what else lies in flames, pestilence, and death than putrid abhorrence? His remorse over the setting carried ephemeral energy as he would soon be as content as the pools of blood that stained him. Every ponderous step towards the epicenter of this disaster angered him, not as a moralist, but as if the very ground were a stimulant for violence. This place, or rather entity, laid absent of fog, relaying desolation for miles. The only respite to this was the large dunes and shadowed valleys that lazily hung about the atmosphere, and though a sense of danger and malice clung to the air like gas, the place felt dead, as if a heart had sprung to life a thousand years ago, only to be strangled by a sundering mist of crystallized blood. His garrulous mind spat out oaths of integrity and optimism, but his soul knew different. For all that arrived here, this was their last stop. Life didn't, no, could not exist after this point. Why would he send them, send him down here? Lucifer questioned. He knew his answer lay far above this landscape, and that his current role in the universe was to bring further bloodshed to this place. Essentially, this story is about um, when um, when Big Boy Lucifer got got kicked down to um, hell and had to like look around and you know see what what he was about to deal with anyway um it's one of those angsty teen stories i guess because it's a it's all like boo blood blue bones anyway um it was still a good still a okay work of writing i think i think i could have definitely done better with um with further describing this further describing the character because i sort of wanted to leave the description of the world to the to the um, landscape but i feel like i didn't i didn't expand enough on that for it to um, for it to be executed properly but i don't think y'all are here for my writer notes <laughs> um so i guess what else can i read hmm. i want to read something that has a good bit of um, a good bit of my own understanding of the world too, but I I didn't want to spread into my nonfiction works yet, but I might spread into my nonfiction works. <laughs> Just um extend it a little bit. Hopefully that's okay. Um. So starting off, I had a very long time ago. I owned a website called Two Sides, which was supposed to um bring together like I for some reason I had this idea in my head that um people with different with different political views and different um different views on society would be able to be um put together like well not put together but um would be able to align themselves with each other if they were um, given a singular thread to which they could to which they could both um coalesce and they and they were both able to um speak to each other on a rational on rational terms 
this was before of course i had i had a better understanding of psychology and a better understanding of you know how how um, other people's opinions can actually push you further into your own but um i wrote a couple things for that for that um blog website and this is the first one it was about my english course Today, in my English course, we were asked to discuss an essay written by Ta-Nehisi Coates to his son titled Between the World and Me. Now, though I found the reading to be excellent and inspiring, I felt as if my understanding of it was shackled by the fact that I must take notes, jot down quotations, and outline the rhetoric he used to address his son. The reason we have been given this reading for in class is simple. You are African American. You are disadvantaged. Discuss this. I felt as if my experience as an African American was not only being questioned but graded. Why should my experience, or rather Coates' experience, be analyzed? As if the enduring as if enduring our struggles were somehow unequivocal unequivocal to that of our Caucasian counterparts. Why should the humiliation and destruction of our bodies be assimilated into a file labeled struggle and not accepted as a completely separate experience altogether? These questions burned at the back of my head as we were asked to take another 30 quotes from his essay. Though I and Coates' lives are very different from each other, I find myself questioning my own choices so far, and how they may ever compare to the ones that got Tennessee Coates into Howard. Though, though I did later get into Howard also, I did not go. Anyway, <laughs> um, one such choice would be my courses, which seem to have taken a turn for the mediocre and prosaic. This is due to the way my thought process works. And how I come up with solutions to questions that not many students or teachers would think of. I, I was pretentious, y'all. Anyway, my, my English class so far has been a bit bland, seeing as it is less of an expression of freedom than it is of us following strict rubrics and guidelines. I signed up for it believing that our Socratic discussions would somehow lead me to answers I could never think of. And yet the class has only given me the knowledge on rhetoric, some of which apply to very specific writers and their methods of displaying their points on matters, most of which has not helped me to write any better. Um, I would like to note that though though I did agree on this point of originally, um, with further with further um, study into not just not just language but literature, and um, my further English courses taught did end up actually teaching me how to write better mainly because it taught me how to how to use my voice properly in through a pen or through um through my ty- typography and it mainly taught me how to um stop using the passive voice it taught me how to um it's taught me how to be bold you know and and take take grasp of your own writing without without just trying to sound like a smart ass anyway um <laughs> last point of this was um, the course as a whole eludes me, seeing as many of the lessons we have learned will not help anyone in furthering their education, or their careers for that matter. I want to succeed, and I do not believe that that success can be found in analyzing the ways others see my skin color. That is a point that I still agree with, in which our, our education can sometimes be broken down into a fundamental discourse over my own identity. That's often the case. That's often the case when we analyze black writings. That's often the case when I re- when we're um, analyzing LGBTQ issues, mainly because it feels like it's all just a it's all just a dialect that throws mirrors in my face that I've been had. 
I, I know that I'm a black person. I know that I'm a non-binary person. I know that I'm a gay person. I don't need, I don't really need that reflection. In which case you start to question whether or not this is for me to understand my identity better, or is this for, for someone else particularly a, a, um, a white teacher to just have a looking glass inside my mind. And it's not to say, it's not to say that they don't have good intentions. It's more to say that it's very, it's very difficult for me to take, take a a graded essay using quotes that I was forced to pull from, from a literary work that I did enjoy and bring my own experience into it because as most people as most students know or have experienced education can often be the antithesis of your own experience and actually invalidate your own your own identity mainly because of the fact that it feels like i don't know it feels like there's a telescope being put on your soul if that's that's angsty enough for (laughs) y'all and um it's not it's not the best feeling to go into to go into any academic rigor with because you can't you can't completely focus on your studies you have to focus on how do i study as a black student how do i study as a gay student how do i study as a as a gender non-conforming student and when you start considering these things it's like you can't you can't fully you can't fully grasp how to create a course that that wraps around that identity so i'd rather have a i'd rather have a course that just says that well i'd rather have a teacher that agrees that these things are not political issues and yes these people do need to be validated these people do need to have respect given to them in in like opposition to what we currently have which is sort of like okay we don't know we don't understand these people let's study them because I feel like we're a little bit too far into the 21st century for us to be still dissect, dissecting my my experience as a black person. Mainly because the fact that I don't need a history class to teach me about Tulsa. I don't need I don't need a English class to teach me about Tennessee Coates, Langston Hughes, Martin Luther King. I know these things as a black person. I know these things as an educated black person. But where you're, where you start getting this issue is when you start trying to push that, you try to push that understanding back onto me when I've already studied it, you know. <laughs> but this was not supposed to be me complaining. <laughs> Anywho, um, hope y'all are actually still here. I know it's just been a dialogue on identity and whatever that I'm just talking to myself. Anyway, <laughs> um. Hope y'all are enjoying so far. Um, I don't know if I got anything else. Let's see. I'm trying to find out which which one of these are actually my own writing. I mean, I did write a. Actually, this that would pair well with with what I'm talking about. Um, I actually wrote a um back in the back in the um the most salient part of the um, BLM movement of 2020 
I wrote a piece called Black. I am a black person first. That is, that is what I and many others remind myself of when I walk out my door with, my, with a hood on. I think back to my bewilderment with the case of Trayvon Martin, in which my eight-year-old mind could not co comprehend his murder. Civilians are supposed to call the police when someone seems dangerous, right? Not while black. When black, it is to be understood that your existence was once and continues to be subservient. A wealth of knowledge showcased through the wage gap and generational welfare. I wouldn't dare claim that a school like mine, where the vast majority of students are of color, is underfunded due to the legacy of redlining and racial discrimination. That would be unfair. It would be unfair of me to call to call out such privilege while still black. If black, you must understand that your culture is readily denounced by the majority of the developed world. Kinky hair is dirty and inappropriate, just as our existence. That is why the chains of cultural appropriation and persuasive media still tether us to the ground, because we dare to be black. To be black is to be hounded and berated by a rich culture of brutality and abuse. Power has been effortlessly stripped from us for centuries. Then through sharecropping, segregation, and, vo and voter intimidation. And now through a flagrantly destructive culture of not just racial intolerance, but of a belief that we are their token black individuals of rage and idiocy. I am black and I am more than angry. Enraged by the murder of George Floyd and still deeply wounded through the prior killings of Tamir Rice, Tony McDade, and so many others who have, who have had their hearts stopped by their protectors. Furious as to why we have to carry lengthy trials for obvious abuses of power. Upset with a system that does not carry on acknowledgement of my black soul. I will continue to be black and I must just continue to remember. This is this was a further dialect. Also, um, also let me just do a full stop real quick. If you don't support BLM, please, please just leave my podcast. If you don't, if you don't support um any of the any of the other things, I promise I will not miss you. Anyway, um, this this was sort of a dialect on my own identity as a black person, and how I feel like whenever I speak, like I have two, I'm given two choices by by the white public which are i either speak up on my identity and am considered a a wrathful entity or an angry person or i don't talk about it and then next thing you know i'm consi i'm considered to just not have an issue and it's almost like it's almost like my two options are either either stand abject to racism but be called, but be called, you know, somehow have that thrown back at me and saying that I, that I myself am racist when I'm just trying to call out the racism that's being done to me. Um, this was probably, this would probably be better with the TikTok. Anyway, um, I, I either call that out with myself, like I either ca call that out and weaponize it or I have it weaponized against me. And... I just, I just wanted to say to any, to any black viewers or any people of color who are, who are viewing this, that you are not the problem. You, your, your rage is validated, whether it's just by me or by your family or by the people or by the friends that you hold close. I just want for you to know that it is okay to be pissed. It is okay to be mad. It is okay to think that it is okay to know that the education system is fucked up and that it's 
it wasn't built it wasn't built for us or rather it was built for us in in the way that it doesn't want us to succeed that's that's why i i proceeded to not not to boast please know that but that's why i proceeded to go through two two ap ap lang courses mainly because the fact that i wanted to see what the highest caliber of well accessible to me highest caliber of of english understanding could go to and even then i still felt like i was like my experience was being dumbed down please know that no matter your colloquial speech no matter your your dialect your your understanding of the world is valid and it is understandable um Thank you for listening to this podcast that turned into way bigger of a dialogue than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> um, I hope y'all have a great day, Briars, and spe- specifically our Black Briars today, because we've talked about it so much. Um, please keep keep your identity keep your identity solidified. You know who you are, and that's what and that's what matters most. Have a good day, Briars.